Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back to Neil Haley's show in the Total Celebrity segment, and I'm telling you, uh, this is pretty interesting. I think this character really uh, makes everyone, every man, want to be a fireman for a fireman for sure. So I'm excited to welcome to the program Jaina Lee Ortiz of ABC Station 19. Jaina, thanks for calling. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. How are you? Good, good, fantastic. When you saw the first time you saw the trailer especially when before it came out you're like oh my gosh i wasn't thinking about how i'm i'm going to be uh the one of lots of dreams of guys uh wanting to join the fire department after that trailer wouldn't you agree from the trailer before the show yeah, came yeah i had i mean yeah i had no idea it actually made me want to join i mean and let me tell you this is some hard work i don't think i, I don't think i have the guts to do it I mean, you have to have the physical strength. You have to have the mental strength. And, I mean, we get water handed to us. We're sitting in, like, little air-conditioned rooms. This is nothing compared to what first responders go through. So, you know, big, big appreciation and respect to them. Absolutely. And did you, when you first got the part, did you really research specifically to understand what your job was and what you did, especially before having to do all the physical work once you start shooting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a few months in my, you know, I had a few months to uh, to sort of um, spare, and I went and took the candidate physical ability test, and I did some ride-alongs. I met two female captains. I kind of wanted to, you know, like soak in as much information and kind of get a feel of what firefighters have to go through. Um, you know, on every on every level, and it's uh, it was inc- an incredible experience. Uh, um, uh, we also went through like a two days of, of boot camp training so that we can authentically, uh, you know, show that, that we know how to put on firefighter gear in under 60 seconds and we know how to handle certain tools. So it's very physically demanding, you know, overall. Did you step up your training, uh, your daily training and working out and stuff, especially when you knew what, how physical this role would be? Yes. And no, uh, yes, because, you know, that's what firefighters do. They have no choice. They don't skip a day. But, you know, I work 70-plus hours a week. There is hardly time. If I have to sort of, like, choose between, you know, getting that five or six hours of sleep so I can memorize my lines for the next day, you know, or, you know, getting in 40 minutes of cardio, I, it's it's hard. It's, it's really difficult, you know. Um, but, yeah, I try to fit it in whenever I can. 
it's it's amazing to think about that. You're right, seventy hours a week. So because you're you're looking at other projects as well. It's you know that's the thing the way this business has changed, Dana. Right? You shoot for one show, but then you're always looking for work mm-hmm. in another show, right? Or or casting for another show that shoots at a different season time. That's what's I think nice for the business, but it just keeps you busy twenty four seven. Yes, yes, so much so that sometimes I forget to eat, and it's it's almost like no, 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 no. I've got to be bulky. I've got to have some muscles. I play a firefighter. I can't be, you know, uh, little string little skinny Jane over here, you know, um, looking like she, she can't carry a, a body that weighs 165 pounds. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's challenging. Um, but yes, the, the the business does keep you busy and active, and you know. Luckily, I I'm in a position where you know basically I have it's it's a a daily reminder to be grateful and thankful for what you have, and, and not complain about what doesn't exist, right? Because it, it's hard to it's hard to get work in this industry. Okay, we're talking to Jane Lee Ortiz about Station 19 on the Neil Haley Show, and let's kind of go into the particulars of your character because this is a strong woman character that is trying to go up the ladder Mm -hmm. in in this business. I guess that's a great uh, pun, certainly, ladder uh, with the uh, Station 19, but tell us specifically enough your character and how you kind of prepared for that character and who she is. So I play Andy Herrera. She's a second-generation firefighter. She is motivated by success, right? First and foremost, success is what fuels her. She puts work first, and she puts the men in her life second. I mean, obviously, family and friends, they're up there, too. But, you know, work is her priority. And that's what I love about what Shonda Rhimes has done in all of her shows is, you know, she puts the females at the front and not, and and they're not seen as an accessory or you know the trophy the trophy object they are women in in positions of power and that's what we need we need more women in positions of power right and i love that about andy herrera she is pretty much everything that i want to be she's a female she's an alpha female um she walks in a room and she commands presence. She is not intimidated by any man. Um, And I, you know, I love her. I wish I was more like her. She's fearless. She's intelligent. And um, yeah, she's just badass all around. (laughs) And you wouldn't say you're that kind of person or semi you're a little still. Uh, You know, sometimes look, no no one's perfect. Andy Herrera is not even perfect. She, she, her love situation, she's kind of a hot mess in that, in the love department. Right. Um, but I wish I was kind of more fearless like her. Sometimes I, I, I get intimidated or, you know, I'm kind of afraid to kind of stand up and, 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 you know, uh, say what, say what's on my mind and, and fight for what I want. And, uh, she kind of helps me, you know, it's, it's been a blessing because, Every day she kind of teaches me something new and I learn a lot more about myself, which it's almost like therapy in a way. Um, Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I wish I was more like her. It sounds like it. And so that's like going to be one of your motivational things. Like, look at this character when you're auditioning for another part or another movie or something else, another project you're doing, you're going to put it on the bull. This is what this is how she does things. And say, hey, that's going to be my life. That's, that's going to be a, like oh, a new, yeah. new new goal, right, for yourself. 
Of course, absolutely. And, I, you know, I get a lot of my strength from my parents, um, my mom, my mom especially. My dad, you know, is a homicide, is a retired homicide detective. Oh, really? And so kind yeah. of having played a, a cop, a detective, a Marine, and now a firefighter, I get to sort of channel his experience, you know, in law enforcement. And, you know, there are good and, and bad apples in every in every. Um, in every profession, but he is definitely one of the good ones. And I, you know, I try to embody that as much as possible. Yeah. So that's dad for you. And what do you think about Giving being on the, on, on this slot, the station 19 <laughs> with these other amazing shows? It must be great, right? Oh, to be part of, part of it's it. It's golden. Yeah. It is golden. I am over the moon. I mean, what Shonda has been able to do, I, I pretty much, it's safe to say, and I and I labeled her the Beyonce of television because she runs the TV world. I mean, she owns a night of TV, right? So ABC, Thursday nights, thank God it's Thursday, uh, hashtag TGIT, to be in the 9 o'clock spot right after Grey's Anatomy. Oh, That's yeah. incredible. I mean, and just to live in that same universe, you know, as Grey's Anatomy, it, I, I feel super blessed and um, very very appreciative because this doesn't happen every day. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a girl from the Bronx, you know, I came out to LA seven years ago to, to, you know, chase this dream of being an actor and I'm, I'm doing it every day. And, um, yeah, I, I'm really happy. All right. Really happy. 9 PM Eastern Thursday nights, TGIT, check out Jaina. And where can we find information on you? Like on social media and stuff, where can we go? Oh, Jana Lee Ortiz on Instagram, on Twitter. Just follow me. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm definitely more engaging um, um, on my Instagram than on my Twitter. But, yeah, follow me. I'm, I'm a little wild, a little crazy, a little loud. I like to dance. So, um, yeah, follow me, Jana Lee Ortiz. <laughs> I, think, I think you're someone to watch out for. Trust me. I know the show is going to be very good, but I think watch out for Jana. I just see big things from her. So good talking to you, and best of luck. Oh, that means so much coming from you. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Thanks. I appreciate Great it. You. You're welcome. All right, see ya. You're listening to the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show in the Total Celebrity segment, and my guest, again, is thinking what I'm thinking because you know he has this ability, <laughs> so I'm excited to welcome to the program Greg Grunberg. Greg, thanks for calling the Heroes Superstar, but he's talking about today HBO's TV movie, Paterno, <laughs> and it's something that really keeps yeah. me torn because the story was so huge to me, Greg, uh, because of being a Pitt fan, but also hating Penn State and Paterno. So how are you, Greg? Oh, <laughs> that's quite the introduction. Uh, first of all, I'm thrilled to want to talk to you again, man. You, you have such a great show, and thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, this is a, this was a big one for, for so many reasons, um, this movie. But for me personally, to be able to work with uh, Al Pacino oh, yeah. and play his son, um, was just so exciting, and, and Barry Levinson is a master at uh, creating drama and character study, and um, it, it was just an incredible experience. Now, it's also, like you said, it's a subject that 
a lot of people don't want to revisit. It's no. important for us to keep continue to talk about not not this story, but the 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 idea of protecting children. And if you say if you see something, say something. And it's a real character study. Have you seen the film? No, I have not. I wish I could. I'm, I'm again. I don't have HBO, so I'm, I heard it's free for a month or something. But I, I'm going to definitely, hopefully, it's available at one point on Netflix or something because I definitely want to see it, Greg, for sure. But I know the story completely. So yeah. And is it did it stick pretty much to the story? The film? in your opinion, especially going back to the research of the history and all that? Yeah, I mean, they did a great job, obviously, uh, researching and everything. If you ask Penn State fans, a lot of them are, are uh, you know, very angry at the at the portrayal because, um, it, you know, you're inside Joe Pa's head, and you're, it's, it's a, again, it's a character study of this. It's not, uh, this is not the Jerry Sandusky story. No one wants to see that. The, this man was, Jerry Sandusky is the devil, and right. Joe Pa, um, in my opinion, is one of the greats, and he he really built up such an incredible program. Uh, and, but not only that, not only the football side of things and the revenue for the school and what he did, he really cared about the the athletes he and, did. and making sure that they get an education. Graduated eighty five percent of them, and you know it's just it's an amazing story, an amazing program they have there. But at the same time, um, this is one person's story. There's so many people that dropped the ball. And didn't do enough from cops to, you know, counselors to the DA. I mean, there's so many people that let this go on for so many years. A lot of that is is talked about in the movie. But again, this is about Joe Paterno and and his his family and what he went through in the final um, days and weeks. And, and, you know, it it took his life. I mean, he had cancer in in him, obviously, but. I, I, your body fights it, fights it. He's a powerful, strong guy, and even at eighty-three, and, 80, and he he just he within two months he died. Yeah, I remember completely about that. So does the story take place, Greg, the whole t- whole his whole career, or more about when all this stuff happened? Did it kind of more flashback, like because it's, it's a movie, so he can't go through his whole life, but in particulars. But tell us that about that part. Yeah, huh. no, it's. Yeah, no, it's the end. I mean, it it starts with Joe walking down a white hallway in a hospital um, oh because he's he's there, you know, to to scan for cancer, and then once he's he, Barry Levinson did an, an amazing job of using the claustrophobic nature of that whole thing when he's he's in the uh, CAT scan uh, tube, and it's and he's sitting there, and that's where he's having he, all these flashbacks and remembering all of these moments and. Um, that's all well documented. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's a, it's about Sarah Gainham and, and her investigation and uh, and how no one listened to her, you know, for for many years, and then suddenly it, it came, it, it, the story came bubbling up again, and and the outrage of all the students and how they thought, you know, uh, Joe Paterno was a scapegoat for all of this, and they fired him. And but again, look at the people that are in prison. I mean, it's it's Jerry Sandusky and the, and. Uh, all the heads of the school. I mean, there were so many people that didn't do enough. And Joe was just one of those people. And and you look at it and go, wait a minute, um, maybe his personality, that's the thing. It's it's a character study. Al Pacino did such a brilliant job of portraying um, Joe Paterno. Yeah. Um, and I tried to do, you know, do my best to portray Scott. Um, this is a great family. <laughs> These are great people. And Scott, I mean, my character, he's smart, man. He, uh, 
you know, and, and the, his, his brother, Larry Mitchell, plays Jay, and, and, and uh, Annie Paris plays, you know, the sister, and, and uh, Kathy Baker plays the mom. It's, it's what happened in that house uh, where they couldn't go out and they were in crisis yeah, mode I remember that. Yeah. dealing with all this and at the same time. Yeah, and then at the same time, Joe, who, you know, forget his age, man. This is not a frail guy. This was a strong, brilliant man, and uh, this just really just took him. It just it's took really, him. It's, it's yeah. one of those things where you realize, oh, you know, maybe I didn't do enough. And what what he's questioning his own, um, you know, he, he's, he's remembering and questioning things. And we're all trying to get more information out of him. And um, so, I, you know, there's a lot of people right now that are really, really not happy that this is being revisited. But, again, this is something we need to talk about. And, by the way, people can go to if you go to paterno.com. This, the family has devoted themselves to showing what to look for with child predators and what oh, to do. Wow. Um, and so it, that's a great Scott Paterno. Oh, Scott, and then Scott. the, yeah. the more Joe Paterno jr. I think would be the J character. Cause he, okay. he was, a, he's a football coach with okay. uh, Joe in okay. the film. Um, and I'm an attorney and I'm asking the questions that an attorney, uh, you know, a son who's an attorney would ask, um, Scott Paterno from just following on, on Twitter and, uh, is, is a really smart guy, man. And yeah. he knows his stuff and he takes the perspective of, Guys, you have to re- read the presentment. The presentment is the charges. This is the court document. And the family just, um, the way we portray it, uh, they didn't read, and, and it's been documented, they didn't read these things. It's disgusting. It's disgusting what Jerry Sandusky did. And so they were kind of like, yeah, we know, we know this terrible stuff happened. They didn't want to read it. And I, I'm forcing them, I'm like, guys, read this document. This is serious. This is not oh, going to be a story that goes away. And uh, And that's... You know that's what an attorney would do, and it and it just kind of fuels all of the the emotion in the family, and uh, and Joe having to really face. Um, oh my he, This is a guy who, you know, his his level of perfection yeah. is equal to no one. Yeah. So when you think of, think about somebody that is is working with him on such a high level, doing such terrible things. You can imagine that he was yeah. just like kind of trying yeah. to put it out of his mind for a while, just going, God, get this guy out of my space, you know, and, and you can't ignore something like this. Um, and I'm not saying he did. You got to see the film and right. interpret it exactly. for yourself. Now, and so for your character, Scott, again, talking about him, do you think Joe was proud of him, even though, you know, he didn't go into the, the football coaching, but as the lawyer, was that hard for him to be questioned like that, Joe? Yeah. I think that's hard for him because, again, now Scott is more putting that on saying, Dad, what were you thinking? Because he saw other things in life than football, it sounds like, your character. Um, Yes and no. I mean, this this family was a football family. Um, I don't – I got to say, this is a very – from the way we portray it and and the way I see it uh, just doing my own research, this is a close family, man. I think – I think Joe loved all of his kids just the same. Uh, again, I don't have personal, um, uh, you know, personal experience with it. But um, you look at this family; that, that's not anything. I don't think you take away from this movie and go, "Oh, he cared more about this or that." That that didn't happen in my mind. I, he was a great family man, but but at the same time, yeah, there's the perspective. I did find out that, you know, at least the research I did, that Joe wanted to be an attorney. Um, and then he went into football, which is interesting. And I brought that up when we were shooting. I was like, that ah, this is an interesting thing, you know, um, but oh, wow. look, his, his father, you know, Joe, Joe and, and, uh, you know, and, and the parents, they supported that. And, and he's a very successful attorney. I mean, it, it, I think he supported his kids in, in whatever they wanted to do. They're very, they're, they're great people. So, All right. um, yeah. it's, it's interesting. It really is. When you watch this movie.
Okay, so again, we got to check it out again uh, on HBO, uh, Paterno, and the best place we can find information on you, Greg. Again, you can go and check out your podcast and um, your books and all that. Where can we go? Uh, go to, uh, you know, at Greg Grunberg on Twitter. Um, but I, yeah, I encourage people to check out um, an actor, a comedian, and a musician. Walk into a bar. That's my podcast. Um, a lot of great people on there. I used to have a show with Kevin Smith on AMC called Geeking Out, and uh, I, I took that concept of, you know, having access to great people in the business, and, and those are the guests that we have on the show. So check out an actor, comedian, and musician walking to a bar, and, and I appreciate you having me on the show, man. Thank you. All right, Greg. Take care. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show in the Total Celebrity segment, and this is kind of very, very interesting interview because I always have interesting interviews, but when I think about reminiscing of the days when I was a professional wrestler and The Rock wore my knee pads, I thought never would have thought I'd be promoting a movie he's in, and then with somebody that's close to my heights, the guest on the show, so I'm excited to welcome for him, Jason Lyles of Rampage. Jason, thanks for calling. How are you? Oh, man, I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing fantastic as well, Jason. So let's, first of all, you are six foot nine. I've interviewed some giants. Kurgan I've interviewed. I've, I've interviewed and, and some other big, tall guys. And I wrestled a lot of big, tall guys from King Kong, Bundy. So I've been in the ring. So tell us, Jason, your life growing up being six nine. What, tell us about that and how you got involved in movies. Yeah, uh, well, being tall is, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's normal. I've never known anything else. I've always been the tallest person my age, basically, or the second tallest at the, at the, at the least. Um, but I, I always loved being tall. I always wore it well. I played basketball when I was younger, but just kind of fell out of it. It wasn't where my heart was. And I always wanted to be in movies. My brother Jordan and I made films, short films together when we were kids. Some of them are out there on the Internet. If you do some searching, you see me as a 10-year-old, uh, doing some just amazing acting, clearly knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> and it really all sparked when Heath Ledger passed away. I was a big fan, and I rewatched all of his movies and was like, I have to do this. My parents were supportive. They helped me move to New York, and I studied film uh, acting there and, and got on stage and did as much experience as I, as I could. And it's where I found all I heard was you're too tall. You're too tall. Oh my gosh. But then I found a niche playing non-human characters. Right. And aliens and creatures and monsters. And, and I started following in the footsteps as best I could as Doug Jones, who most recently was in the Oscar winning shape of water. He's on Star okay. Trek discoveries and everything and uh, trying to be like him and uh, moved out to LA where all the makeup shops are to make myself local so they can put me in eight hour makeups and 160 pound suits. And uh, it was the right move. Got to quit Outback Steakhouse and film Death Note, which was amazing. And then that led pretty directly right into Rampage. So interesting. And then so when I was talking about wrestling Kurgan, he ended up going on into uh, acting as well as Robert Maillet. Uh, so he's been in a lot of different deals, kind of okay. like what you did. Yeah, he, he's just huge, man. He's like seven foot, and but he weighs... Uh, 300 some plus pounds. I'm now just 269 and six foot oh, wow. 10. So, you know, uh, but I, I, it's a dream of mine down the line. Who knows of ever trying to be involved in that stuff? And I remember when I was a pro wrestler, I tried to get into different uh, modeling gigs and stuff like that. So it's great you found that niche. And now playing this character in Rampage opposite The Rock, yeah. it's got to be a dream. 
for sure to have this opportunity. Yeah. Oh, it hundred percent, hundred percent literal. It was actually a literal dream come true. When I booked it, I actually started having dreams about meeting Dwayne and then I would wake up and be like, Oh my gosh, it's actually going to happen in like a week. And so it, it was, it was amazing to be in a movie, an action movie to work with Weta, who is, I mean, they're the best. They did Lord of the Rings. They did Avatar and all the Planet of the Apes films and Jungle Book to get to play a character that I know they're going to make me look photo real, like a gorilla. Like it's just insane. And then they got the, got the rock and I got to, you know, research and, and prep and, and learn so much from gorillas and Terry Notary, who is King Kong in Kong Skull Island, amongst so many other things. He trained me in the Santa Monica mountains, just hours and hours and miles and miles for weeks on these arm extensions, finding the voice. I mean, it's my voice in the movie. It's, it's unreal. And I played the game when I was a kid. Yes. I played it on Nintendo 64. So it's on like 12 different levels. It is absolutely amazing. And I am so grateful I got the opportunity. It's a dream come true in every, in every sense. So let's first go into specifically how you prepared for this. Again, studying gorillas, yeah. what they do, all these different things. I'm sure you've watched the movie King Kong just to kind of go back to the history of what we've seen oh, yeah. with all that stuff. So kind of explain that. I watched King Kong, all the Planet of the Apes movies. I, I just, what movies can I watch? That was what I asked myself. And just watched everything. I watched every documentary or video of a gorilla on YouTube I could possibly find. Coco the gorilla was a huge source of inspiration because Davis in the film, Dwayne's character, has raised George basically since birth and taught him sign language. Very much what happened with Dr. Penny Patterson and Coco the gorilla. And tons of interviews with Andy Serkis and Terry Notary and just did as much as I could for about six months before I got brought in. And then Terry Notary trained me and that's where everything came together. And he put all the pieces into a nice, beautiful picture and helped me kind of strip away what makes me a human and get to a place where I, I'm a gorilla. And it's, you know, he, he preached from day one, this is not pretending, this is yes. not playing. We're going to find something true inside of you or else it's going to look like crap. It's going to come off fake. It has to be real. It has to be a real life. And so he, he really pushed me, but I couldn't have done it without him. It was life-changing as a person, as an actor in, in so many ways. We're talking to Jason Lyles of Rampage on the Neil Haley Show. And Jason, let's talk just the storyline. Again, for this uh, movie, especially opposite yes. The Rock, tell us the storyline. Without giving anything away for, uh, for the, again, it, it's going of to be course. out in theaters tomorrow. Good. Yes. Uh, Davis Okoye, played by Dwayne Johnson, ha he rescued George as a baby when he was an anti-poacher on an anti-poaching unit. And he's raised him from birth, taught him sign language. They're best friends. They're like Han and Chewie, basically. You know, okay. they, they bust each other's chops. But, man, that love between them is huge. And then something happens. George gets infected as well as a wolf does somewhere and a crocodile. And they start to grow, mutate, and evolve overnight. And so these animals are rampaging because they're massive and Dwayne's got to save his best friend, George Davis has to save him and the world. And so you got, it is a ride, man. It is such a fun popcorn movie. I, I had a blast seeing it last week. I'm going again tonight. I'm going tomorrow. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. So many times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jason. And then you think about, you know, the, the movie and the specifically, you said it was a video game before the history of this. For Rampage? Did you yeah. mention? Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, okay. originally in 86, yeah. Really? Okay. And so someone decided to make it based on the video game. Yeah. 
Wow. I mean, it, it's perfect. You put yeah, the, they took it yeah. and. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, they they took it. You know, basically the game is just three monsters destroying you know, a city, and so they they got to form a narrative around that. I think that's where a lot of video game movies kind of misstep. They they try and fit in all the information, all the lore from a game and its and its entire franchise, while trying to make it accessible for new people. And so it's it, it it's kind of a, a a mishmash of stuff. Whereas this is just three monsters destroying stuff, and we will create a story around it that we think is best phenomenal i mean it's really a phenomenal uh story and interesting in so many ways jason and and uh this is something man where are you going to come back from this now opposite the rock what uh what's the, this is the process you get this opportunity now your resume everyone's going to be calling and especially saying okay we got a workable guy yeah. big and there you just keep seeing these uh movies with big guys like this and so it's it's a great opportunity for you for yeah. sure jason Definitely, definitely. It, it's helped open a lot of doors and really kind of put me on the map. And um, it was a huge opportunity. I can't thank everybody enough for giving me the opportunity to play this character. And um, it, it's exciting what's uh, where, where it's taking me. You know, there's there's a, a couple things that I've worked on since then and I can't talk about that are some really fun characters. That's for another time. But this is my dream and I'm living it. I mean, literally, dreams come true. And you, Dwayne says it. Consistent hard work brings success. You work hard enough, long enough at something, your dreams will come true. They really will. And that's such a great point. He's so motivational. Jason, where can we find information on you again in theaters nationwide tomorrow, Friday? And where can we find info on you, Jason? Where's the best place? You on Twitter or different places to connect? Yes. I, I spend a lot of time on Instagram. I'm on Twitter as well, but you can find me at both at the Jason Lyles. Very simple. You're fabulous. You didn't think you were going to interview with somebody as tall as you or taller. Hey, if you're ever in Pittsburgh, we're going to have to do, uh, uh, connect for sure. So if you do come to Pittsburgh, reach out to me and, uh, oh, please. and we'll definitely uh, meet sometime. But I'm excited because, again, hey, you should tell me, hey, so if we, there's a movie that we got to do twins and we're both the same height. Hey, you got somebody who was a former pro wrestler, can do it. So you got to uh, tell the director, I know somebody. And there we go. We'll, we'll, we'll go together. I know somebody. All right. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Because it's hard to find guys that can act who are that size, for sure. That's so. Um, it was good talking. Hundred percent, man. For sure. We'll stay in touch, man. Okay. Oh, so great talking. You. Thank you so much for having me, man. All right, take care, Jason. Thanks, man. Okay. Bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back, the Neil Haley show, in the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome to the program Cass Anvar of Sci-Fi's The Expanse. Cass, how are you? Season three, you are pumped up, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I am. You're excited, and it's and again, you got to be excited about the success of the show, right? You talked about that last season and stuff. And oh how, yeah, and, yeah. Well, we are so proud of the show. Um, every single one of us is uh, is just chomping at the bit for season three to get out. Uh, we are an extremely proud group. It's actually one of the one of the best teams I've ever worked with in my career. Um, never worked with so many people that love doing what they're doing that love coming to work every day. And I think it shows on screen, uh, how much we love the show. And, um, and we are so proud of season three. Uh, I've had a couple of people comment on how who've seen the, the kind of the previews of season three, uh, on how they didn't realize we were going to be able to make it even better in season two. And they don't know how we did it, but 
we accomplished it. And uh, I have to say, I feel season three is even that one step better than season two, more exciting, more cohesive. The team uh, really delivers. So I can't wait for the fans to see it. And see, this is the thing, Cass. The one thing I didn't know, we talked more about your educating me about the storyline of the show. It's from a book. And that's, see, I'll tell you right now, uh, producers out there, look out for fans that are fans of a book to create a series. It's a goldmine because people are going to spend the time to read it and love it. They're going to love the show. And that's how I guess it works. And then you build the other fans as well. Yeah, it's on it's on so many different levels. It's um a win. Uh you know, producers, it's a dream for producers because it comes with a a pre-existing audience already uh already indoctrinated. So, um the books written by James S.A. Corey, which are now I think in their 7th or 8th novel. Oh wow. Um has hundreds of thousands, if not millions of fans already before the first episode ever hit the air. So, that is a producer's dream right there. Um, from an artistic standpoint, you're getting a story that has been vetted and fleshed out, and uh, the arc of this um, TV series has been planned. We've got about you know seven or eight seasons worth of material that have already been written. <laughs> Isn't that just awesome? Like Game of Thrones. That's fantastic uh, for you. Yeah. So you're not you're not making stuff up as you go along. You've got you've got a direction. You've got a path. You've got a you know. And then within that. Now you can play, and uh, we've got the, the novelists, uh, James S. Corey, who are Ty Frank and Daniel Abrams. They are in the writing room. They're, they're two of our showrunners. They are two of our lead writers, and they are helping adapt it to the television screen. And so uh, Ty and Daniel have said many times, uh, this is our second crack at the series. We get to get it right, you know, because they're, they're always thinking, oh, I wish I had done this in the book. I wish I had done this in the book. And now... Because we're adapting it to television and you got to make changes, um, they get a chance to do things that they only thought about after they had written the books. And so the viewers are getting to see the, the benefits of um, getting a second crack at a really popular series. And see, Cass, this is the thing, the last thing about you have that audience. The author is so much dedicated, regardless if they sell books or not. That's that's how authors are, that they're really dedicating their writing. Like when you're dealing with writers that write things for just TV or movies, they're getting paid a lot more money than somebody that this was their passion. They came up with a story and said, I'm going to write it. And then if they keep writing it, they're writing it with such a passion like it's one of their children. And then, because again, yeah. TV writers are going to oh, write yeah, another definitely. show. It is, it yeah, is their yeah. baby, that's yeah. for sure. And that's what's awesome. Yeah. So what? What you should know, we? This, 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 this whole yeah. story, the Expanse story, started off as a board game. Uh, I think Ty Frank created a board game, uh, kind of like uh, like a role playing game. And uh, when Daniel met him, he said, uh, "You know, this is such a complex and involved. This should be a book." And he somehow convinced Ty to write a novel with him, and that's how the the series was born. It's quite a quite a funny story now. And then it goes full circle, and now it's been brought out as a as a game as of last year. It's hilarious. All right, so let's go cast into the point of what should we expect season three now. Especially, I guess a lot of the people already know what to expect, kind of because they read the books and are already into. You said the seventh book, so what should we expect in season three? Yeah. Well, I mean, we are we are extremely faithful to the novels, um, so people who love the books are not going to be disappointed. However, it be, as you've seen in seasons one and two, 
major adaptations had to be made um, because you're going to television. Like, for instance, in season one, uh, we introduced the character of Abisarawa, uh, even though she's not in book one. Um, she, you can't have the expanse without having Earth. Right. Earth, Mars, and the belt. Those are the, that's the holy trinity of the expanse. And without, without Abisarawa, you couldn't have the show. So, um, and, and that being said, when we went into season two, we introduced Bobby Draper way earlier um, in the, in the storyline to introduce you to her, to introduce you to her fire team, the Martian, uh, Martian Marines and their power armor. That was all stuff that was created just for the TV show before we entered into the Caliban's War uh, section of the of the series. And um, likewise, in season three, uh, as much as we are true and honorable to the stories of the books, be prepared for lots of surprises. Um, basically, have prepare to have your minds blown because the system's about to go to war. And uh, you're going to see the Rossi team, the Rossi crew. We're going to be caught in the middle of all of this, uh, trying to maintain our own somewhat neutrality and independence because we're a group of Earthers, Martians, and Belters all on one ship. Oh my gosh! And we don't really have an alliance. We don't have an alliance to any one particular. We're kind of a neutral, uh, individual, independent state there on our little ship. Uh, but we get sucked into it, and you know. One of the things about war, everyone's got to pick a side, and uh, we get ourselves put in that position, and then uh, all hell breaks loose, and that's what that's what the uh, the audience is gonna is gonna have to watch. Is your character developing? You think from all the three seasons, more and more, we're learning your character. Oh hell yeah, yeah. yeah. I I love the character. I love my character of Alex Kamal. He's this Mars-born. Uh, pilot of Pakistani East Indian descent with a Texas accent born on Mars in the Mariner Valley where um, the uh, the Texans mainly colonized. Uh, but he's a fusion of the cultures uh, that, that first colonized Mars, which are East Asians, uh, Asians, and Texans. And when he started the series, he was a very shy, very introverted guy, didn't quite know who he was, kind of called him, saw himself as a I was a glorified bus driver because that's all he did for 20 years in the Navy, uh, the Mars Congressional Navy. And uh, through being having his fat thrown in the fire and uh, being forced to really step up to his potential, um, lest him and his, his crewmates all die um, horrible deaths, he s- discovered who he truly is. His real purpose in life is, is to be a pilot and, and quite honestly, the, the best fighter pilot in the system. And um, and because of that responsibility that he he shoulders, he grows immensely. He starts to discover who he is. He starts to discover his purpose. He starts to discover um, why he left Mars and and he left a family back there. Wow! You know, okay. wife and wife and kid. And uh, you don't really get to find out much about that in the first two seasons. You just know it happened. And in season three, you really start to get into um, Alex's psyche. You really start to see his backstory. He, he starts to really expose a lot of the stuff that uh, he's been really too too hurting and too private to to share before well, now. Well, Cass, we cannot wait to check it out. And I, again, I, I, this has to be some binge watching for me. I don't have enough time. I interview so many interesting actors that I really consider friends after they come on a couple of times and I want to catch up and I'm like, 
why can't I learn to get paid for this? Meaning paid for watching all this stuff. Now, come on now. Everyone needs to contact me to be a critic. I'm not going to lie, right? Yeah. Good. I'm not going to lie. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't, it, it's not hard to get up in the morning knowing I'm going to get to do, uh, get paid to do what I love to do every exactly. day. I love, that, 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 that's the fun part. That is. It's, it's hard to believe. That's so I um, want to, yeah, I have and, to, I have to. In other, terms of binge watching. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell us about the binge watching. Go ahead, Cass. So in, ter- in, in, ter- in terms of binge watching, uh, one of all your, your, your listeners to know, we're already, the, the, the season doesn't air until tonight. Uh, and season three of the expanse is already number eight on iTunes in terms of pre-orders for download. Oh my gosh. All right. So everyone needs to tune in tonight. Like we are already number eight and it, it, two days ago was number 10. Now it's number eight. Like people are chomping at the bit to get this whole thing, uh, on their TV. So, uh, that's super exciting for us. Knowing people are as excited to see this as we are, uh, is, is thrilling for us. All right, so we have to tune in tonight for sure, Cass. Uh, best place we can find info on you. Where can we go? Oh, yeah. Your social media? Uh, you want to find me? We're going to be live tweeting. We're going to be live tweeting, by the way. Um, anybody who wants to, to watch the show and talk to the actors, all you got to do is uh, track us down uh, using the hashtag The Expanse, hashtag The Expanse. And uh, you will find me at Cass Anvar, C-A-S-A-N-V-A-R, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's all uh, spelled the same. And you'll also get to meet uh, the vast majority of the rest of the cast and some of our writers and producers as well. Uh, And we are all just our mouths are watering right now to get get the show on the road and you'll get to chat with us as the show is going on and let us know what you think of it scene by scene. All right, Cass, thanks for calling. Appreciate it, and best of luck, and we'll see you for talking about Season 4, okay? Sound good? All right, thanks. All right, bye. You listen to the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. your vehicle isn't stopping like it used to, visit O'Reilly Auto Parts for the Spring Break Deals event. Take advantage of the O'Reilly Auto Parts Do It Right rebate and get a $20 O'Reilly gift card by mail when you buy a set of Break Best Select pads and a pair of rotors. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. All right, give me one second. You bet. We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program. We all know him from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Dirk Blocker. Dirk, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, I want to go back to history. You're the son to Haas on Bonanza. So you've been in the entertainment business forever, and your father as well. So talk about that legacy for a second. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it was no different for me than if my father had done something else for a living. I mean, it didn't seem odd to me, but I, 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 you know, um, but he enjoyed his work so much. He enjoyed doing what he did so much that it, uh, and and in those days, the schedules were such that one of the few ways really to spend time with him was to go to work with him. So I kind of also grew up on the set of Bonanza a little bit here and there. And uh, and they had such a ball doing it, and they all got along so well. It was a very family-oriented feel to the show. Everybody there were like family. They were together for 14 years, I think it was. <clears throat> so um, it wasn't. Uh, it, it it doesn't take a lot of uh, imagination to think that a kid growing up under those, you know, witnessing this kind of thing would might want to gravitate towards the same thing. 
Absolutely, Dirk. It sounds like it. And did your father push you, or it was more about, hey, if you're interested, you do this? No, my dad was really good about, to all of us, saying, you know, I really don't care what you do with your life, but I would really, really encourage all of you to get an education. Um, And uh, that was pretty much it. I mean, he really didn't try to guide us towards anything. He didn't discourage us from being actors, but he also certainly didn't encourage it. And, and in fact, he would point out along the way how challenging and how rare it is to have good fortune in the business. And, um, you know, because I think he probably saw in me at least, you know, he could see that I was enjoying it and I, and I got caught up in it and I was a bit of a ham and, you know, and so forth and so on. So he he let me know in his own way that if you decide to go this way, you know you better be you better you know develop a bit of a tough hide because uh, it's not always you, you, know, it, you know in my experience with him on this planet he was always on bonanza and it was like that's not the way it works for everybody in fact for no. very few people so so um, but then you know I was in high school I hadn't really made the decision um, and I was in high school and someone saw me in a play and approached me and said, I think I could probably help you. And it turned out he was a legitimate agent. And uh, so I said, well, sure, what the heck. But I really hadn't made a firm decision. But the next thing I knew, I'd, I was under contract to Universal Studios where they offered to uh, to pay for classes, uh, which, you know, was a, a an incredible thing, and, and to pay pay for me while I was in school basically to learn how to do it and how to how to be – I mean, I knew – inherently a little bit and, and through osmosis, you know, having watched it for so long, I kinda knew how it all worked. But then, you know, there are there are things you don't necessarily just pick up by watching and, and so uh I was just super, super lucky and uh, you know, a lot of my early success was certainly a result of the, my dad was beloved, I find, in the business. I still have people till this day coming up to me and saying, Man, I worked with your dad one time and what a great oh, wow. guy and so forth yeah. and so on. So so it's, I've, I've been very blessed and very lucky um, throughout the entire process. Absolutely. So now let's kind of take that transition. I might have one more question involving your acting, but let's go right into specifically enough a book. Now this is another big venture, right, Dirk? You're so busy filming and acting and, and, and being all over the place. How did you have time to write a book? Well, um, you know, actually I, I, I do write in my spare time. Um, but before Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I had a little more spare time than I have now, and I was doing quite a bit of writing. And, in fact, I was in a writer's workshop um, and just to keep, keep busy, and, and, I, and I really like the process of writing. I find it therapeutic, and, um, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's just another version of storytelling, and, um, and that's kind of what my life is about, really. And, um, and I think all of us, really, and that's why films are successful and television is successful, books are successful. Every, we all, we're all part of the – every human being on the planet has a story to tell, and everybody is part of the human story. So uh, at any rate, uh, we were challenged in that class one day to uh, come up with something uh, dharma pertaining to life's purpose. And uh, mm-hmm. so I gave that some thought, and I kind of tossed it around in my head a little bit, and then I sat down, and, and the story kind of wrote itself. I, I kind of felt like I was just – I was almost like witnessing it unfold in front of me. I, um, and as it turns out, it was a story that uh, the people I showed it to liked very much, my wife in particular. And she encouraged me, and she, in fact, she wouldn't stop encouraging me to say, you need to do something with this. Other people would benefit from this. They need to see this. And I was very, you know, I, I was very grateful that people liked it. 
But um, the persistence to do something with it continued, and then I met Eric Scottness, the illustrator for the book, um, on the set of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He was a, an artist who worked on the show. And uh, he read the story, and he said, could I, if you, if you illustrate this thing, I'd really like a chance to do it. I said, yeah, let's yeah. a little hell. Let's, let, let, it's time to do it. Let's do it. So we did it, and I'm really, really proud of the way it turned out. Absolutely. Again, it's Master and the Little Monk. And uh, I know people have to pick up the book because there's an interesting process to understanding more about it. But really, you love this, this passion of getting to do this. This is your baby, right? This is something like, wow, finally it's done. Now everyone's going to be able to see it. That's exciting for you, isn't it? Yes, very much so. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, it's kind of a, uh, I'm learning a little bit about how this all works, how, you know, the, the self-publishing world and getting these things out. So we've just launched a website, which is www.masterandthelittlemonk.com. And people can go there and check out, you know, some illustrations and uh, a little synopsis about the book and the story. And if they so choose, they can order it from there. But, um, I'm also, in, uh, I, I intended to uh, put it out on Amazon as well so people can, because a lot of people shop there. But, you know, I also know that there's something about actually having something in your hands and looking at it and being able to flip through the pages yes. that adds a, a, a certain quality. So I intend to get out and do some, uh, in the next couple of months, to do a little touring in terms of uh, book signings and, you know, getting it into some bookstores and, um so uh, and it's all it's all a journey for me. I, I'm kind of learning as every day as I as I go along how this all works. Uh, and with and I guess my guiding principle is kind of like I don't know if you remember the movie. Um, oh gosh, now I'm not going to tell you. The uh, it was a baseball movie where the the theme was if you build it, they will come. Field of oh, dreams. Yeah. Field uh, of dreams. Where where you know it's just basically you know if you feel like you've got something of value, then you put it together and and let let the you know the heavens guide you as to to where you know where it's supposed to go next and uh like i said and so far actually i've gotten really good feedback from people who are visiting the website and who are ordering the book we've had quite a few orders already placed and i'm getting great feedback from people and it's just i'm so thrilled because of course yeah. you, you don't want to get a negative feedback but instead i'm getting no. very 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 positive feedback so i it's 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 working you have all your fans for sure now one thing when we're not talking, what do you think your uh, best guest star appearance was that people remember the most, Dirk? Because you know guest star appearance, mm. the people remember. Probably something, probably from something way, way back in the beginnings of my career, I did a, a guest spot on uh, Little House on the Prairie, and that was a, a show that was very, very popular, so it was seen by a lot of people. But uh, the episode was also uh, a sweet episode. Uh, I, I played a uh, student who was older than all the other children who was illiterate. And, um, and so the, 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 they, they teach me how to, basically the, the Ingalls family and the mother teaches me how to read and the kids are supportive. And anyway, it was a, kind of a heartwarming story. And then because Michael Landon was the producer and star oh, of the yeah. show, that, that, that also draws some, drew some attention to it. But I, I still, I'd say till today, I still get people writing to me and uh, talking about That's it. That's fantastic. To yeah. ask me about it. All right, well, Dirk, thanks for calling. Best of luck, and everyone needs to pick up your book. Take care, man. Thank you, buddy. Okay, bye-bye. You listen to the Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. The Neil Haley Show on the Author's Corner segment. I'm excited to welcome the program. This is really interesting. I, I checked out this book. I, it's something as an education, former teacher, I, I get a kick out of. So I'm excited to welcome the program author, Rachel Levin, author of Look Big, 
and other tips for surviving animal encounters of all kinds. Rachel, thanks for calling. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let's just jump right to this, the idea of this, because I think it's so cool. Because, again, some of it's a little bit shtick, but other things that you can look at these specific animals and you have to say to yourself, what happens if I encounter one of them? And that's what's so cool about this is that resource of you writing this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, how did it come to be? Basically, I'm yeah. a somewhat semi-neurotic urbanite who loves the outdoors. Um, and so I'm, uh, I grew, I've grown increasingly nervous running out here that a mountain lion might stalk me and swoop down and eat me from, from above. I have raccoons rummaging in my trash. I had lice in my kid's hair. Um, I went running um, up in Tahoe. I'm worried about bears. And then I was cross-country skiing in Colorado a couple of years ago um, alone in the woods, and all of a sudden I just looked up and a ginormous moose was right in front of me. Oh, my um, gosh. And I had no idea what to do. And I thought, if I don't know what to do when I see a moose, other people don't know what to do when they see a moose. I had no idea they were – I thought they were cute and gentle-looking and – my husband later said, no, it could have charged you. I said, oh, I had no idea. And so then I thought, I should find out what to do with all these animals and put it all in one place. Because the tips are all out there, but I, I thought we needed a, a one-handy field guide from ants to alligators, mountain lions to mice. <laughs> and I get so many books, Rachel, but this book, I just can see that my daughters uh, could use, my sons, they, because it's so cool because you just think about when you encounter something, what to do because you know there's books out there when you encounter dogs but when you think about specific things like a bear what the heck are we going to do right. if i encounter a bear <laughs> I, I mean some if you do the wrong thing what happens rachel you could end up really mauled or hurt <laughs> yeah if you if you run into if you see a bear and you start running away from it that is the wrong thing to do so you need to know you need to know what what not to do as much as you need to know what to do and yeah this is not a kids book per se but the it's illustrated um, every animal is illustrated, and the colors are great, and kids are loving it. My kids are loving it. All my friends keep sending me pictures of their kids reading it. So oh, I think yeah. it's really for big people and small people. Everyone's really getting it's into it, and there's something for everyone. It, <laughs> exactly, Rachel. Suburbanites. So, yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I could see you, Rachel, go ahead and present this in all different places, and they love the book. You know, do a reading and specifically with adults, yeah. but also children. Yeah, and tailor and so it. That, so like, I could do a small exactly. mountain town in Colorado, and I could also do, you know, San Francisco, the city. You know, I think people, there's really animals in, for every people who live in small towns, rural towns, big cities, suburbs. That's what I think is cool about it, too. Thanks. I feel like it, it speaks to everyone. <laughs> so when I, like, scroll through the book, what I find fascinating and funny, Rachel, is that you kind of don't really have these categorized in certain ways. You could see something that comes up right next in the next animal or even bug, <laughs> and, and and that's what I think is funny. I think that's where your kind of humor gets involved, right? Thank you. I'm not going to categorize right. it's, it's, it's it like a scientist. It's organized alphabetically, and so you get coyotes yeah. right next to crows. <laughs> right, exactly. So it makes it easy for us dummies, right, especially – Oh, my gosh. What about if we encounter bees? What to do if we encounter a swarm of bees? This happened to me. I got a story yeah. for you. My it wife says, go move it this. Has. Move, move the, yeah, it has. I, I, not, it was, and I got stung pretty bad. I Move this rug, Neil. It's like a rug that got, like, flooded. 
oh, I'll get to it. Oh, I'll get to it. It was my old house. I walk out. I go ahead. Oh, no. I go to grab the rug to put it in the garbage, and it just, they started stinging me, and I ran like. Oh, my God. You know what? Uh, you ran? Yes. So I, Is that what you yes, did? What did you do? I, yeah. I just ran, and at least I got stung a few times, but I got, I got out of there. So what do you do when you yeah, encounter yeah. bees? What was your research on that? Just give a little tip. But that's why I wanted um, to pick it up. Yeah, well, running, was, running is not a bad thing to do. Running, um, you're just as fast as a bee, but you'll, it'll usually give up before you do. So running away was a good instinct. <laughs> that's, that's a case in which you can run. Um, uh, and basically, I mean, you know, don't entice them in the first place. Don't wear perfume. They like that. Please don't wear cologne. But, you know, deodorant, they, you actually, they, um, body odor attracts bees, and sweat supposedly oh. angers them. So that's why maybe in the summer we're just more irritated by bees because we're hot and, you know, <laughs> sweaty. Um, but, yeah, swatting, don't swat. That'll just make it mad. So you're just stand as still as a statue. Do what you do if you run, if, if you get swarmed, just start running. And then when you get stung, Try to get that stinger out as soon as possible before the venom spreads. Um, and don't pinch, don't pinch the stinger because it'll sink further and harder to get out. Just kind of flick it off with your fingernail or a credit card. You know, right. wash so wash and ice it, and you get you know. Hopefully, there was a guy online I came across that his, his lips got stung by a bee, uh, and his oh lips my. blew up like they were the biggest lips I've ever seen. <laughs> so you can Google him. <laughs> I got to jump so on the most, well, Oh, sure, no problem. Okay, uh, so the best uh, place we can find information on you and purchase your book, where can we go? Um, it's on Amazon. You look big and other tips for surviving animal encounters of all kinds at your local independent bookstore and big books and bookstores of all kinds. Um, it's everywhere, online and in stores. All right, well, thanks again for calling, Rachel, and best of luck with the book, okay? Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. We'll be back in just a moment. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.